0: Welcome everybody, I'm Chris Miller, author of the number one best-selling book, Ready for pre tirement Three Secrets for Safe Money and a Fabulous Future. I'm so honored to be the host of this show called Ready, Set, Retire. Do you lay awake at night wondering if you have enough money to pay the bills, let alone retire? Well, in this show, your vision will be transformed, and I will show you how to have a safe money and a fabulous future. I've counseled thousands of individuals, businesses, and families over the past 20-plus years, and I'm proud to say I've never lost $1 of my clients' money. I share with you secrets that I've learned over two decades that only the few rich know about and have really been around for centuries. You know, most Americans are not prepared for the golden years, let alone today today. No matter what your financial status is, you can be prepared to enjoy your life and never run out of money. And I've invited some amazing guests to share different points of view on how to be ready for pre-retirement. My special guest today is Chris Hearn, and he's the CEO and co-founder of Merchantile Capital Corporation. It's a nationwide commercial lending firm that specializes in providing smarter commercial property financing for business owners, entrepreneurs buying their commercial property. Chris is well-known for his advocacy on small business owners and a small business owner himself. He has a unique perspective on commercial lending industry as well as a deep understanding of what it means to be a small business owner and American today. Chris's first book The Entrepreneur's Secret to Creating Wealth, How the Smartest Business Owners Build Their Fortunes, was released in October of 2012 and is an Amazon bestseller, cracking the top three in three different sales categories. He's appeared on Fox Business News seven times. He's been in such publications as the Wall Street Journal Journal. Newsweek, U.S. Today, Bloomberg, Business Week, and L.A. Times, Forbes, and New York Times. I want to welcome Chris Hearn. Hi, Chris. Thanks for having me, Chris. Hey, Thanks. It's good to have you. Really. Well, you got a ton to share share with everybody. And you just released a book titled "Entrepreneur's Secret to Creating Wealth: How Small Business Owners Build Their Fortunes." What prompted you to write this book?
1: Well, it's the accumulation of what I've been doing in the last 16 years in the small business lending sector. I've been giving speeches all over the country and have been on lots of different panels talking about uh, sort of the plight of small business owners and how to get the financing they need and really to think more about equity and wealth creation as opposed to just income. And so, you know, it was just uh, something I I was passionate about. I hadn't written a book before, Chris. Um, This is my first one. I've I've written lots of articles and I've been quoted in all the those different publications that you talked about. But, uh, I thought it was about time that I finally uh, write my own book and try to make it that much more accessible in the marketplace.
0: You know, that's really great because, you know, I'm really seeing a lot of people are, are actually recreating themselves. And a lot of people, even in their midlifes they're tired of the eight to five and they're becoming entrepreneurs, wanting to start businesses, running out of money, not really knowing, you know, how to handle all this. You seem to have a lot of authority to be able to write a book on this topic what What gives you all that experience
1: well i just i this is what I've been doing for the last sixteen years um i've I've founded multiple companies myself I currently uh founded and and run three of them myself at the moment. You know I deal with small business owners on a daily basis. And you know we're we're one of the biggest small business lenders in the country and have been for the last uh, eleven years since I started Mercantile Capital. So you know I think we've done now close to one point four billion dollars in total project financing, but one small business owner at a time. You know most of our projects are are just under a million dollars uh, average size. So that's a lot of a lot of clients and uh, a lot of projects to have worked on and to gain a lot of experience from. And you know at the same time there's a lot more people that we could help. And that was one of the biggest reasons why I wanted to write the book is just to continue to educate the marketplace about about this uh this really brilliant strategy and and the ways to put it to work outside of your business. I mean, there's plenty of books, Chris, as you know, that talk about how to market your business better or how to hire employees or you know a variety of different things but But I searched high and low and hadn't found anybody who had really focused on this particular topic and, and these particular strategies that I cover in the book.
0: Great. So what is Mercantile Capital
1: Corporation? Well, we're we're a small business lender, obviously, and we've uh, we've been lending now for about 11 years since I started the company. Um we've now closed loans in 38 states the District of Columbia and Puerto Rico and you know eventually we're going to get to Montana and Vermont and the Dakotas those I think are those are the only states we haven't closed loans in uh you know and then that those 12 states or so but you know we've uh, we've carved ourselves out as a uh, as a in this niche of small business lending we are not a household name we're, we are uh, not one of those too big to fail banks and, you know, our sole focus is on financing small business owners um, to help them create wealth for themselves and, and do it in the smartest fashion possible. And that's it. Um, we're not trying to be all things to all people. You know, we're we're uh, not offering business checking accounts and savings accounts and lines of credit and, and uh, you know, all the host of the dozens and dozens of other things that, that banks and other commercial lenders do. We do one thing really well, and uh, humbly, we think we're the best in the in the country at it, and we say no to all others, and uh, I think that's really been a, a key part of our success over the last eleven years.
0: Great. So you got the focus. So, so how did Mercantile do during the Great Recession, or how are you doing it during the Great Recession?
1: Uh, we've we've done pretty well. I mean, you know, we I won't lie to you. We had we had a little bit of a tough time in '08 and '09, and then suddenly um, we had our best year we'd ever had in 2010, followed by our next best year that we ever had. We crushed, we beat that record in 2011, and we beat it again in 2012. And so far in 2013, we're off to a, to a great start as well. So, you know, the biggest reason I would say is uh, we, we don't have as much competition as we once did. You know, the the recession is holding steady uh, at the banking level. Unfortunately, the banking industry is a very regulated industry before the recession, and it's even more so now, uh, having come after the recession. And, you know, the, the best loan sometimes a banker can make is no loan at all uh, because it can't go bad on them. So there's less competition for deals than there was pre-recession, and um, we also made a strategic decision to continue to market throughout the downturn, and if anything, I think uh, our prominence is, has grown, and, and we're, uh, we are more well-known in the small business lending sector because of that, and, and that was a decision we made. It was a tough decision, but you know, a lot of people in the recession sort of hunkered down and you know stuck their head in the sand and, and hoped for the best, and uh, I've, I've never been a believer that, that hope is a very good uh, business strategy uh, at all. Right. <laughs> so so uh you know we we tried to do uh what got us here and and do more of it and continue to be one of the uh the last guys standing and, and i think that's why we're um you know we've had three three record years in a row and uh and we're off to a great start in 2013 as well
0: awesome so you're based in florida but you've mm-hmm. closed loans in 37 states puerto rico mm-hmm. district of columbia how, how do you establish such a national presence
1: uh, well, a lot of what we do is, um, you know, we're we are very focused, as we as we said earlier, we've become very well known for what we do. And uh, we're we're pretty good marketers. Um, you know, I think uh, the reason I've been on Fox seven times is because, uh, you know, I haven't spoken like I had a bunch of marbles in my mouth. And I think hopefully I made some sense. And, you know, they've invited me back. And, and that's a great platform to uh, expose us to more people. You know, we're regularly quoted in a lot of different publications, both national and and regional, and uh, and we're just passionate about what we do and and trying to make sure that we educate the small business marketplace about these these strategies and these ideas, and um, you know, and, and try to really be there for them. We're we're a big advocate for them, and uh, and I think that I think that clearly shines through. Um, you know, we're not just uh, some ordinary bank, you know, trying to offer them everything we've got, and and trying to, you know, and and really looking out for ourselves, despite what a, you know, uh, perhaps a a billboard might say about our bank or something about, you know, looking out for the interests of only for our customers. I find very few banks actually do that. I find most of them are, are mostly in it for themselves. And, uh, you know hopefully, they help a customer every once in a while, but you know and that's unfortunate because I think the small business sector of the economy is 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 massive people don 't realize it yet there's it's very disjointed and it's it's very fragmented and and you know doesn't have so much of a unifying force so i think I think it needs some champions like us, and i think we've we've sort of established ourselves as that over the years
0: that's really great because from what i've been hearing is a lot of the banks are are about you know, 700 or something banks on the watch list and the FDI Oh, yeah. Rome. What is it? Every every $100 you have in the bank, they got about 58 cents to your $100. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and I mean, yeah. If I want to take a loan, now who do I want to go to? A bank that's on the watch list? or Right. It you know, makes sense. You know, and yep. creating wealth seems really elusive to a lot of people. And what sort of practical things do you cover in your book?
1: Well, the book has been called a bit of a blueprint for how to do this and and as I said earlier we we're not I'm not really you know, I, I'm actually working on a second book now, and, and it's going to be a lot more of sort of the business success strategies, I'll call it. But this one, I really wanted to focus more on wealth creation. And, and it's it's a real simple concept in that, you know, we've we've sort of had this idea beaten in our heads for, for decades about uh, one of the American dreams is to own your own home. Uh, for a lot of folks, it's a, it's a way to – it's sort of a forced savings plan. It's a way to hopefully build equity in an appreciable asset got to live somewhere and, you know, help have your money work for you as opposed to just uh, renting an apartment for, you know, 30, 40, 50 years of your life. So that's on the residential side. What I like to argue is um, once you've decided to become your own business owner, become an entrepreneur, your own boss. It doesn't take very long after you've started the business to realize this same principle applies in that you need to try and have a home for your business, uh, for your brick-and-mortar business, and instead of paying your landlord... Uh, To make him or her wealthy, and and covering their commercial mortgage. uh, After you've established yourself in the marketplace for a few years, it makes great sense to try and own your own facility, you know, a home for your business, and to pay yourself your your monthly rental payments, so that you can grow equity in an appreciable asset such as commercial real estate. So that's that's a big piece of what we talk about in the book. I kind of, you know, for people don't realize that this is going to be their probably their largest purchase of their life. So, it's not something to go into to rush into or or something to uh go into it without the help of of advisors and a and a team of people to really help you do this. It also doesn't mean you should you know drive around on the weekends looking at, at vacant buildings and and seeing what you can do or you know hiring your brother in law who flips condos at the beach to do the repair work or anything like that i mean there's I give some very practical advice in the book on how exactly to do this, and uh it's a strategy that I think a lot of small business owners need to deploy. They find that, uh, the real estate is actually oftentimes worth more than their business. Um, I know that's sometimes that's a, that's something that's really hard to swallow from an ego standpoint. Um, Having looked at uh, personal financial statements of commercial uh, of, of small business people on a daily basis, you know everybody thinks their their business is worth millions of dollars, and the reality is, folks like me, bankers, don't exactly give a whole lot of credence to that because it's so much of it's an intangible asset. You know, so much of it's. Um, and other things that that don't have a ready value on, in the marketplace, but real estate does, and uh, it's just a great strategy, and and that's what we talk about a lot in the in the book. And um, it's just to me, if you look at the Forbes 400 list of the 400 richest Americans every year, one commonality that almost everybody on the list has is they're almost all real estate owners. And not always for their business. Sometimes it's for investment purposes. But but real estate is a is a tangible asset that's uh, you know it's it's always has a value, especially in times like this where where values have come down as much as they have. Um, they're starting to creep back up again, and it's just a uh, it's a remarkable strategy for small business owners to deploy to to really pay themselves instead of their landlords. And again, it's not something you should do right off the bat. Uh, we can talk more about that. But uh, in terms of the timing of it, when to do it, but um, you know, at the end of the day, most small businesses in America are either shut down or sold, and if you can uh, retain ownership of the commercial real estate that was that the business was housed in, uh, sometimes that's a great, great re- retirement strategy for people.
0: Right. That, that makes sense. You know, I'm, I get a lot of mixed signals, especially from the real estate and mortgage industry, of that the, the real estate will never be the way that it was with the boomers driving the market and that really they're... Really, places they're, they're not going to be as good at investments as they have. What what is your take on that? Do you think that the real estate is going to get back to where it was? Or, or it- well,
1: well, I'm not entirely sure I, things are things are ever going to go back to what they were. I mean, people like to reference that all the time, and and I think, you know, we, we have this we have this problem as humans. We we tend to think very linear, but we don't think very exponentially and um you know i, I think you know the argument about the demographics, you know, yes, the the baby boom that was the biggest um, you know birth rate we've ever had in this country, but it's been followed by the millennials. You know, the millennials are the next biggest birth rate, and they're coming up. Um, you know, the baby boomers are sort of in their you know getting ready to retire, but wait fifteen twenty years, and suddenly you're going to have the millennials in their peak earning years. So I don't necessarily buy that. I think you need to do it for a lot of strategic reasons. You know if a business owner is paying thousands of dollars every month to their landlord for a facility to have their business in and for their employees to be in, I don't think it takes too many months before that business owner says, "Gee, what am I getting for my for my rent payments? Maybe it's time I do it for myself so that's really what we're, what we're talking about here you know it's really difficult to uh, in some cases it's difficult to have a facility that that really fits your needs perfectly or, or is in your image until. Uh, you own it. You know, I've, I know I had one time I had some clients of mine who they were well known by their orange color and their logo and, and you know, their paper and, and all sorts of stuff. They You know, they even had shirts that were bright orange and all that stuff. And, you know, they could, when they were renting, they could never the color of the walls or the outside or or any of these types of things with as much orange as they wanted to and it wasn't until they they bought their own uh, office condos a couple years ago that suddenly they were then able to do that and it it sort of made everything very congruent and and, and fit together nicely and and those are some of the limitations you have sometimes when you you lease Um, you know I've, I've financed a lot of manufacturers and distributors who until they buy their own plant or industrial warehouse they can't quite configure things for optimal efficiency. And and that makes a big difference for manufacturers. It makes a huge difference for distributors. So so I, I don't know. I don't I don't buy that. I think that's kind of a knee jerk reaction of uh, response, Chris. And I and I think a lot of times it applies to residential. There's a different reason to buy commercial property than there is residential. And and, and frankly it's the reason I've never Done alone for a residential property because I, I call it the cur- the uh, the purple curtain problem. You know, you got the the young couple who's going looking at houses and and uh, you know they've got these 16 variables that they want in a house and uh, you know it checks off they check off 15 of the 16 variables and then they're and then they're in the living room and there's purple curtains and they don't like purple curtains and suddenly they don't end up buying that house and they you know spend another couple months looking for a home that probably doesn't fit quite as much. It's it's sort of those emotional and irrational reasons of of why I don't want to finance homes and I want to stick with business owners making business decisions for for logical reasons uh, on commercial property. So I think think there's a lot of differences in in the marketplace. Uh, A lot of those truisms don't always apply on the commercial side of things.
0: Right, that makes sense. And, but, you know, why it, it seems like it's really difficult, but it's important for business owners to think about creating wealth beyond the day to day operations of the business. And you're really bringing up some great points. Maybe you can elaborate more on that.
1: Um, well, sure. I mean, some of the stuff relating to real estate acquisition. I mean, you know, I think it's um, as I said, it's it's one of the biggest purchases of their lives. I think um, they need a team of people, makes sense, um, to help them with this. So, one of the things that they need to uh, to put together, is they need to they need to figure out which commercial real estate broker to work with. I have a whole chapter in the book about how to determine the best commercial real estate broker for you. They obviously have to understand that most commercial real estate is financed; it's not paid for in cash and even from a from a practical business standpoint you probably wouldn't want to put all your cash into the property you'd probably want to finance it if you can and so I I have a whole chapter on how to pick a commercial lender, what to look for. I have a whole chapter on the pros and cons of the various uh, financing options that are available to small business owners, and and I have a whole chapter on what I call the best-kept secret in commercial real estate financing. Uh, I also have a whole chapter on sort of the myths and misperceptions about small business lending and, and, uh, you know, some of these uh, horror stories and, and legends and whatnot that have uh, that have permeated the entrepreneurial space, that uh, some of which are true and most of which are not true. So I, I cover a lot of that as well in the book. But uh, I think it all starts with this understanding that most business owners, after they've been in business for you know generally three or four years, you know they've they've reached profitability. They've sort of uh, put the roots down. They're they're definitely proven themselves. Uh, They've proven the concept. They're they're definitely going to have some staying power. And usually people have what I call the light bulb moment, which is uh, you know they wake up at 4 a.m. in the morning, I'm sweating in the middle of the night, thinking the rent check is due the following day. And what am I getting for this for this rent payment? You know, oftentimes these are thousands of dollars could be tens of thousands of dollars. And the business owner wakes up and goes, gee, I, I just, uh, yeah, it's great that I have a facility for my employees and my operations. But
0: what am I getting for
1: this money? You know, could, could I do the same thing I did decades ago when I moved out of an apartment and bought a house? could I do something like that with real estate for, for the business? And if I do that, can I own it outside of the company? I mean, is it something that's actually going to create wealth for me personally? And, and the answer of course is yes, you could do that. So, you know, and then the question becomes, well, how can I finance it? You know, how much money do I have to put down? And how, you know, what kind of terms am I going to get? And, you know, what's the monthly payment going to look like compared to what I'm currently paying? And all these types of things are, are answerable. And, uh, and fortunately I cover most of it And in this book.
0: That's, that's great. You know, for those of you that just joined in on to our show, you're li- listening to Ready, Set, Retire. And Chris Hearn is telling us about commercial real estate and loans and all these great things that, boy, I wish I would have thought about that 20 years ago and all that rent that I paid. I mean, it makes total sense. This would be a good time to tell everybody about your new book, how to get in co- contact with you and, and what's going on.
1: Sure, sure. They can reach me at 504experts.com. 504experts.com. The book has a website as well, called theentrepreneursecretbook.com. Theentrepreneursecretbook.com. The uh, the book is available online at Amazon, which is of course now the world's largest bookstore. It's uh, at Books a Million, at Barnes and Noble online, all these places. It's also available in a lot of offline bookstores. So uh, yeah, those are some of the ways you can do it. You can also type my name into Google or or Bing or wherever, and you'll find tons of information out there about me. Um, all my social media connections. You know, you can connect with me on our um, our YouTube channels and on Facebook and
0: LinkedIn and
1: Twitter and Google Plus and I don't know what all all sorts of things.
0: So well, you know- those are some
1: other ways you reach me.
0: You've really gotten a lot of honors and awards generated. Top twenty-five Twitter small business experts to follow. Mm-hmm. Small business influence champion. Two-time SBA financial services champion of the year. Top twenty most influential people in small business lending. SBA marketing guru of the year, and three-time Inc. five hundred five thousand honoree. That's pretty cool. You know, yeah, thank you. Definitely. Well, thank great. you. So, so okay. So maybe give us some hints on the quote secret, right?
1: Well, we, we've pretty much covered it, Chris. Which is which is the secret is to is to stop paying your landlord uh, your rent and making them wealthy, and, and learn how to do it for yourself. That's that's really the the twist that's the overriding theme of the book the the i guess the secondary theme of the book is i actually i i think for the first time ever in print i cover what i call the the best kept secret in commercial real estate financing which is this loan that we call the smart choice loan or otherwise known as a 504 loan and um it has some huge advantages versus ordinary bank financing and uh and I get into that in in the book and um you know those are i guess those are the two overarching secrets uh, there's lots of mini secrets as i say you know nothing i write you you probably always get some of my personal philosophy and whatnot but that's um, some of those personal ph- business philosophies and stuff are going to be uh, a part of another book anyway
0: right well you know your company's tagline reads fulfilling dreams with smarter financing So what is exactly smarter
1: financing? Well, it's what we were just discussing here a second ago, which is this uh, smart choice loan, or otherwise known as a 504 loan. Generally, what you see is um, with these loans, you get to put down half to a third the down payment that you would with an ordinary bank. You also have a little bit longer term, which, believe it or not, the loan term, the length of the loan term actually affects your monthly payment just about uh, more than anything. And so, if you have a little bit longer term to pay things back, you actually can keep the monthly payments lower, which is important for small business owners in that this impacts their cash flow less. And then, last but not least, uh, the other big advantage of this program is that. It really brings Wall Street type financing to Main Street businesses. It actually uh, offers the least expensive financing vehicle for for America's small businesses, and um, and that's a huge huge benefit for them. If you can pay less in interest rates, more of your dollars going towards paying down principal. That's a that's a tremendous thing for um, for a business owner to to build long term wealth.
0: Right. You know, and we have a lot of listeners on on our show. Mm that are starting businesses, and, and this this is really great to just get in, in on this in the beginning. So why would it matter to you or me whether businesses read this book or learn how to take their businesses to the proverbial next level? I mean, what's the big deal, right? Well, I
1: think, you know, there's been a tremendous amount of economic research over the years on first world versus third world countries and how stable they are in terms of their governments and their societies. And a lot of times, what the researchers have concluded is that a lot of times, this idea of personal property, uh, oftentimes encapsulated in real estate, is, is a huge stabilizing force in first world countries. And when a when a country goes from being a third world to a second and then eventually a first, oftentimes it's it's property rights that had a dramatic impact in that. You know, obviously there's you know the rule of law and, and, and whatnot. But in general it's it's this idea that as people, you know, we want to possess things. We want and, and the things that we possess we want to generally take care of and um and look after. And we don't like to see riots happen and things like that that are gonna destroy our personal possessions. So it's really no different. I mean, I think I think the reason why commercial real estate ownership is a good thing for small business owners is because you know, it, it has this effect and it helps it has a stabilizing of force in the economy. It has more of small business owners' capital working for them, um, as opposed to just, you know, helping some investors, you know, their landlords get wealthy. This oftentimes has impacts that are multi generational, you know, the, the business owners who, who owned a piece of property and, and eventually sold their business and yet retained ownership to the property and, and maybe that got uh, inherited by their kids and And um you know maybe they didn 't have to start so far behind the eight ball when when they started their business or where they started their uh, their adult lives whatnot. I mean so you have a lot of these types of things, and um I just think it's a, I think it 's a huge, huge benefit to the american economy and and to wealth creation in general, specifically what i 'm doing with the book, Chris, is that um when people buy two or more copies of the book, I actually take all the net proceeds that I would get, and I donate it to a charity called the young entrepreneur foundation, which actually teaches today's high school students how to become tomorrow's entrepreneurs. So, um, you know i'm I'm basically trying to help pay it forward a little bit because I know also that you know entrepreneurs uh, these are the folks that innovate these are the folks that that create the technologies that are going to make our lives uh, easier and much more meaningful in the future and that can help keep our standard of living so high you know if you if you crush the entrepreneurial spirit our standard of living it, it will decline and and I don't want to see that happen I actually think it's it's healthy and helpful to have more entrepreneurs not fewer entrepreneurs. So so I'm trying to do what, my small part, and uh, I don't know that I'll be around uh, to help uh, finance any of their buildings, but, you know, we'll see.
0: <laughs> yeah, right. Well, that, at least you're doing it now, and that's what counts. So, right. You know, and it makes total sense. So what, you, what would you think that needs to be done by the current administration to assist small business owners and help the economy grow and recover?
1: Uh, well, I think there's a lot of things they could do. I mean, I think what we've seen in this uh, in this recession over the last four or five years is is we seem to, as a culture, I don't know that we – the politicians talk a lot about small business owners. There's a whole lot of rhetoric, but I don't think there's as much action. And I think as a culture – you know we misplace sort of our hero worshiping sometimes i I happen to think that the man or woman who who takes on the risks that most people won't take on to for the hope for rewards and there's no guarantee of these things they're really more deserving of our adulation they're really more deserving of of being uh you know the champions of of the new economy, not some professional athlete i mean granted they've worked hard i'm sure and they've they've you know thousands of actors, you know, hours practicing and all these other things, but you know, uh, I think an entrepreneur uh, deserves a lot more attention and modeling than um, you know, uh, a rock star or entertainer or athlete or all these other people that we, that we seem to uh, give our affection toward i think we need to have a greater appreciation for what the entrepreneur actually accomplishes uh, in our economy i mean I, I i believe the entrepreneur has done more good for humanity than any Politician, bureaucrat, treaty—any of those types of things ever have—and yet, you know, I, I don't think um, I don't think people have such a great appreciation for it. And and I think we're doing our young people a disservice by not encouraging more people to go in this direction. And and, and I'll grant you, it's not for everyone. Okay, some people really are better off just working for the post office or, or whatever the case is. But we need to teach people that you know, risk taking is inherent in everything we do in life. You know, having a job should be no different, you know, and, and if if nothing else, I'd like to see more people have more of an entrepreneurial mentality or entrepreneurial attitude, I should say, even if they aren't going out there and risking everything to start a business. I think that would be healthier for our economy in the long term. And, um, you know, I think our, our lifestyles would continue to uh, to grow from here.
0: I agree, totally. I mean, I think that's like the unsung heroes and yeah, and, and misplaced values and, and looking at you know, the shiny things rather than really founded the right. country, right?
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely.
0: Yeah. yeah. Well, uh, you know, this, these are really, really great points. And so if somebody's thinking about, okay, I want to get this property and, you know, and they're trying to figure out how how to do this. Of course, they're going to reach out to you. Is that? And I know nothing about the commercial loans. Or is are the loan rates the similar to residential, or do you get better rates or worse rates? I mean, how does that look? For- well, no,
1: actually, um, they're similar. Generally speaking, lenders, you know, bankers are effectively risk. Managers. Um, so, any loan that a bank or a commercial lender t- does, they have to look at it from a, a risk mitigation standpoint, and they have to, de- you know, determine, you know, is this property gonna, you know, what's the worst case scenario? The worst case scenario, I have to foreclose and take this piece of property back, and how can I dispose of it because I'm not a real estate investor? And so, those considerations come into play here, and and um, what you see is the residential property market is much larger and more fluid than the commercial property market. And so consequently, it has less risk and interest rates are a little bit lower on the residential than they are in the commercial. What I mean by that is maybe 100, 150 basis points lower. Residential uh, terms tend to be a little bit longer than commercial terms. So those, those are the two big distinctions. You also sometimes can put a lot less money down as a down payment for residential versus commercial. So it's um you know it's but having said that it that, that doesn't really negate the the benefits of of doing this if you're a business owner. I'm not suggesting people rush out and and buy commercial real estate as investors and and try and lease it up. I'm I'm only suggesting this for owner users for for people that have businesses. I think this makes great strategic sense for them.
0: Right. So is are there any carry on top, you know, any final parting words you want to share with everybody?
1: Uh, I don't think so. I think we've covered a lot here, Chris. Yeah.
0: So really a great, you know, topic because I have a lot of people that are starting businesses or have businesses and spending all whatever they spend a month where they could be looking into getting commercial real estate. And so, again, why don't you tell everybody where they can buy your book and how they can reach out to you and find out how to do this.
1: Sure, sure. They can get the book online at Amazon or Barnes & Noble, Books a Million. They can get it offline at most, uh, most bookstores, independent or otherwise. They can go to the website, theentrepreneursecretbook.com, uh, or they can go to my website, 504experts.com, and uh, they can always Google me, and they'll find tons of information about me out there in, in cyberspace. Uh, it's Chris Hearn, H-U-R-N. And uh, if they buy multiple copies of the book, as I said, I um, I give the net proceeds back to the Young Entrepreneur Foundation so we can help try and create more more entrepreneurs in the future.
0: That's great. That's wonderful. And for those of you that want to reach out to me again, my name is Chris Miller. I'm host of Ready Set Retire, and you can uh, contact me at k r i s at readyforpreetirement.com. dot com. That's r e a d y f o r p r e t i r e m e n t dot com. And you can grab my number one best selling book, Ready for Retirement. Also, got some free articles on my website, Ready for Retirement. Again, Chris Hearn has been our special guest, and he is the author of The Entrepreneur's Secret to Creating Wealth, How the Small Business Owners Build Their Fortunes. Chris, it's been a great honor to have you on our show, and we'll look forward to talking to you again.
1: All right. Thank you so much, Chris. Take care.
0: All right. Have a great day. Bye. You too. There's so much to learn about healthy money. I hope today's discussion brings you one step closer to securing and protecting your future. So you can get started on the right foot, go to meetwithchrismiller.com and schedule your free financial fitness strategy session. Thank you for listening and please subscribe to Money 911 so you don't miss our next episode, which includes health, wealth and peace of mind.